Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I hope you had a good last week and that you're looking forward to a good new week. So we are talking today about generosity, and are you a generous person? In the last two shows, we talked about how to love a woman well and how to love a man well, and I hope those were helpful for you. If you weren't able to listen to them, you can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and those two shows are on the website that you can listen right from your computer as a podcast, or you can download them as well. So are you generous? So I want you to think about what generous means and what generous is and what does God say about generosity. And so generosity is this quality that's a lot like unselfishness. So someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, or kindness to people in need. And so generosity, it's this quality like honesty and patience that we probably wish we had more of. And when you show generosity, you might give away things or money or put people before yourself. But generosity is a lot more than just cash and stuff. See, when you're forgiving and gentle to people, you show generosity of spirit. And we know the world would certainly be a better place if more people showed generosity to others. So we really want to look at this issue of of generosity. It's the trait of being willing to give your money, your time, your energy, your heart, forgiveness, to act in an unselfish manner. And we have 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. I've got, I kind of put a couple of verses in here. We're going to talk a lot from the Bible about this today because the Bible has a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to generosity. So I'm going to give you just some verses to refer to. And, and I like to read these on a regular basis. They kind of just reground me and recenter me and, and help me to kind of keep on track and remember because we, by nature, you have to remember, we are not by nature generous people. Now, be that as it may, there are, there are some of us that maybe our temperament or our personality in our natural state might be more generous than, than other people. But the truth is, generosity, that, that kindness of spirit, that generous spirit really comes from the heart of God. And we see this in First Timothy, it's chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. This is out of the Message Bible, I believe. And it says, The grace of our Lord God was more than abundant with the faith and love which we, are, which we found in Christ Jesus. It's a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. 
So the grace of our Lord is more than abundant. Abundance is a synonym to generosity. It's just more than enough. And so God not only gives us what we need to get to heaven, but he gave us more than what we need to get to heaven. And I love John 3.16, and this is 16 through 18. This is in the Message Bible. It says, This is how much God loved the world. He gave his Son, his one and only Son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. So we want to make sure that if we know Jesus, that people are being introduced to him every time they meet us. That's what having Jesus in your heart is about that they experience Jesus more than they experience you. Now, that is quite a feat, and I'm not telling you that I have got it or that I am there. But it's good for me to remind myself that the thing that is the biggest calling of my life is showing the world Jesus. That is the number one calling of my life. And so I have lots of other ways that God has called me to act and to do and to be. But I have to remember that any other calling that I execute, whether it be speaking or this radio show or the psychotherapy that I do in my practice, whether it be writing, whatever it is that I'm doing, those are extensions of me. And so the extension still is supposed to be giving voice to Jesus. But the experience of me must be that of Christ. And that's, that's a huge, that's a tall edict. And it isn't one that we do on our own. It's what Jesus does for us when we allow him to be in us and to work through us. So I want you to remember the greatest calling you have is that any one person who meets you or experiences you needs to experience the Jesus within you. That's why he came. That's the abundance. That's the generosity that Jesus has done. And so one of my favorite life verses, you've heard me use it several times, is Ephesians 20. And this says, God can do anything you know. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And so I think this is imperative that we remind ourselves that anything that God is asking us to do, he's already done for us, and he's doing through us. So we have here in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 4, and I really like this. This is is referred to as offering, the offering. He says, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of these churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. 
They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. Uh, that, that is so convicting when I read that. I think the pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure, generous gifts. Now, we want that Jesus in us. And, and we have a little bit of a disadvantage living in America because we are so, oh, we have so much. We have so many things. And we talk a lot on this show about the fact that we are, for the most part, 90% of us are, are dealing with first world problems, not third world problems. And so there's a tendency when we're in a third world type of situation to have a lot more opportunity to exercise Jesus in us because we need him much more desperately. And see, we don't, we don't have on a daily basis always the need for God in that kind of a concrete manner. We have the need for Jesus mostly emotionally. And, and when we've messed up or when we've done something wrong or when we really want something or when we're afraid of being hurt or losing something that is of value to us. And so we have a different kind of pressure and a different kind of expectation from Jesus. He says, to whom much is given, much is, is required. And so he's wanting for us in our world, when we have pressure that triggers us, that we should still be coming out with generous gifts. Whether that be the pressure of being mistreated, disrespected, um, that, that means that I've been um, passed over on a job, that means my spouse is in a bad mood, that means my children are, are acting out or unappreciative of what we've given them, that means that I have terrible neighbors. The neighbors from hell are living next door to me, right? Many of you may be experiencing that. That pressure needs to be triggering generosity and offerings that you are giving that you were, couldn't even possibly afford. And I'm not talking necessarily financial. I'm talking about offerings of grace and mercy and forgiveness that you don't even feel like you have in you. That is the generosity of spirit that God wants us to have. So I want you to understand that generosity brings hope. It brings healing. It brings inspiration. It brings energy, relief, encouragement. And generosity is an example to encourage those around us to act in generous ways. One of the most amazing things about America was it was seen as so generous, such a generous country. And so we want to get back to that. Maybe, maybe our country is not, not going to be what it was when it was founded. I mean, that's impossible. It has to grow and change. But we can still have a spirit of generosity because it brings hope and inspiration and energy. Think of when someone's generous to you. If they just even forgive you or if you, if you snap at them and you slight them and they say, no, no problem. I know you're just having a bad day. Don't worry about it. And how much relief that offers and how encouraging it is for you to kind of get yourself righted again. So we're really focusing today on generosity and understanding that generosity rarely is financial. It really is. I mean, it's wonderful when we're generous financially, when people need it. But money doesn't always nurture our soul. So when we act in generous ways that are soul-related, like encouragement and forgiveness and mercy and grace and laughter and overcoming, 
These offer such an abundance to the other person's soul. So I want you to ask yourself, we're going to make it simple. I want you to give what you have. If you don't have finances, give approval. Give patience. Give acceptance. Give a smile. Give a thank you. Think about how you feel when you're driving and somebody's actually kind and lets you in and waves to you if they made a mistake. How you feel at the grocery store when someone lets you go in front of them. Think of how you feel when your spouse, your friend, your coworker overlooks that you kind of lost it for a minute and you've hurt them and they, and they get over it quickly. That's generosity. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment when we talk more about what is generosity. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia today. So thank you for joining me. If you are just joining in for the first time, I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety. Uh, Go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can also um, go to the uh, station's website, and it will guide you as well as to how to find that show. So I'm glad you're joining me today, and we are talking about generosity. And what is being generous? And are you a generous person? And so we kind of explained generosity in the last segment, that it's a quality that's a lot like unselfishness. It's someone showing generosity, someone that shows that is, is happy to give. They give money, they give food, kindness. And it's a quality. It's, it's like honesty and patience that we probably wish we had a lot more of. So what you want to think about is that this is when you are forgiving and gentle to people, you show a generosity of spirit. And we talked about several Bible verses that you might want to look up. And the first one was 1 Timothy 1, 4 through 16. And then we looked at John three sixteen through 18. And that it says that this is how God loved the world, that he was so generous that he gave his son. He didn't give us just what we need. He gave us abundantly what we needed. And, and so this is very powerful. We see that also in Ephesians 3.20. And it says that God can do anything, far more than you ever hope or imagine. And he does it by working within us, gently and deeply within us. But this verse was very powerful. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 and 4. And it says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. And so this is what we want to think about. We realize that in America, yes, absolutely, we can always give money, and I don't ever want to discourage someone from giving financially. It's one of the things that really helps us in our own walk with God and helps us with our own characters when we we are willing to let go of money. But the other thing, I want you to not be burdened by that thinking that the only way that I'm showing generosity is through money. That I, I want you to think about one of the best ways to show generosity is just by giving when you are pressured, 
It was so beautiful. It says these people were pressured. The trigger pressured something unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. They saw, what, he, what Paul says was, I was there and I saw it for myself, which encouraged him and increased his faith. It says they gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in relief of poor Christians. And so we want to be those people that when time gets tough and we get tired and we get weary and we're hurt or we're offended, that that pressure triggers generosity. Because the antidote for upset, the antidote for offense, the antidote for feeling less than, the antidote for anger, for disappointment, is generosity. When I am willing to give when I'm feeling like I deserve to get something, You'd be amazed at how quickly it gets me out of that pit. And you, I want you to think about when someone's been generous with you. You know, my producer, Jeremy, we were talking off air, and he was telling me about the day that somebody paid for his coffee, and it just made his day. I mean, you go through your day, and you think, just a simple gesture like that, someone paid for my coffee, that I'm, you know, I'm standing in line waiting, i got to buy it, and I'm needing it, and i got to get to work, and someone just took care of it. And what that does, what that gives us in our soul and the generosity of simple gestures and what that does for our character. You'd be amazed at just smiling at people, opening a door for somebody, being a kind driver, being polite at the grocery store, extending grace and mercy to your, your, na- your neighbors that are like the neighbors from hell. That you just say, you know, I don't know their circumstance. I don't know why they're upset. I don't know why they're so angry. But I don't have to respond in defense and increase that anger. And so what generosity brings to the world is hope and healing and inspiration and energy. You energize someone and yourself when you give something. It gives relief. It gives encouragement. And it sets an example. When someone's generous with me, I have a tendency to then want to do it back. It's fascinating. I can be driving. I drive a lot in Phoenix. And if you drive in Phoenix, you know it's not always fun. And when someone's generous with me and lets me in, or when someone has made a stupid driving mistake, and they actually wave to me and say, like, I'm sorry, I all of a sudden get a quick reset, like I want to be a better driver. And so it sets a wonderful example for our world. So we're going to really make this simple today. I I certainly want you to not be tight with your money. I, I think that's a one of the ways that the devil really manifests himself in our lives. So, but this isn't a show about giving money. If you, if you want to be generous in that way, and if God is speaking to you today that that is an area that you really need to practice being generous, then I really want to encourage you to do that. But I want to make it simple today. I want us to be generous in our relationships with our world. I want you to give what you have. I just want you to give a smile. I want you to give approval to somebody. I want you to laugh with somebody. I, I, I want you to not be easily offended. I want you to give acceptance. I want you to give a smile. I want you to say thank you. I want you to practice courtesy. Generosity of spirit is such a courteous spirit. And what courtesy does is it smooths out how difficult this world is. When, when I am working with couples that are very, um, what I would say, bordering on contempt for one another and have lots of defensiveness and lots of anger and bitterness. 
Sometimes before I ever work on any of the issues, I say, I only want you to practice courtesy. For the entire week, before you come back to the session, all I want you to do is say please and thank you and give nice looks on your face. I want you to open doors. I want you to help with packages. I want you to make the bed instead of requiring the other person does it. I want you to do small gestures of courtesy like you would do for a guest in your home. I want you to treat your spouse like a guest. And you would be amazed what one week of courtesy does for a couple and how hard it is when they have really hurt feelings. But they feel better about themselves. Even if their spouse loses the program, they feel better about themselves. When I am courteous, when I am polite, when I am forgiving, I always feel better about myself, and I have a tendency to extend it more to myself. So it's very powerful when you are practicing this. So we are really going to look at how powerful it is in your closest relationships. And when we start it there, we send the people we're closest to out into the world in a much better place. When I'm polite to my husband when I leave, I set him up to feel much better after I'm gone instead of being upset like I left him with the gift of upset. I mean, what kind of gift is that, right? And so I don't want to spread that around. I really want to protect him. I want to have good boundaries that say, my upset does not have to be his. And I don't have a right to pass it on. Now, if I'm upset with him, I still need to be courteous so that we can actually work it through. So it's really powerful when you just say to yourself, you know what, if all I have to give is courtesy, that's generosity here in America, I'm telling you. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We are at the end of the first hour. Make sure you join us in the next hour. You can also go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Listen to the show in its entirety. Visit me on Facebook. That's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., INC for Incorporated. And I look forward to you in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are joining me in the second half of this hour. So make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A. H-I-E-T-T dot com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety from your computer. So we are talking today about generosity and the gift of generosity and what generosity does and why this is part of the calling that all Christians have on their life. This is not a specific calling like teaching or preaching or mercy or grace or any of these types of things. This is the Spirit of God. And God is a generous, generous God. And we referred to some verses in the first half of this hour that you can, you can also look at. And, and the one we really talked the most about was 2 Corinthians um, 8, verses 2 and 4. And it talked about the church of Macedonia that was so oppressed and they had fierce troubles coming down on them. And the pressure triggered an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. And we want the pressure of our life, the pressure the enemy exerts on us, the pressure we get from being in interpersonal relationships with all of us being mistake-making people. We want it to trigger generously, trigger generosity. And we also saw in, in um, this First Timothy chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, it says, The grace of our Lord was more than abundant. So we understand that the Spirit of Jesus who gave his life for every human being ever created, is the spirit of generosity. And the generosity produces such amazing things in people and in us. 
And it gives an example to the world of who Jesus is. It gives inspiration. It gives hope. It gives healing. But it really gives energy. See, when I'm generous to people, they get energized, and I get energized. Even if I'm generous and they don't respond well, I still feel good. I still feel good about me, which gives me more energy to be better and to be more like the person that Jesus is wanting me to be. So I want to look at a couple of other things, and I I want you to understand the benefits of generosity. There's health benefits to it because we know it releases endorphins, and endorphins are pain relievers. And endorphins and, and generosity and positivity increase serotonin, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter. And so physically, it makes us feel better. So if you have been around people that are injured or physically ill, the positive ones handle their illness and their injury better, don't they? The angry, offended, discouraged, depressed ones struggle more with the illness. And I'm not saying that those that are, have a spirit of abundance don't get discouraged. I'm not saying that. But it's, it's where their hope comes from. And so we want to think about how much better our bodies respond. If I wake up and I had a bad night, I didn't sleep well, or I'm, I have a really long day and I'm stressed about the day I have, if I get too involved in that... I'm going to not have abundance in me. I'm going to be upset as I drive. I'm going to be frustrated if people didn't get their job done. But when I get myself centered and I say, yeah, I did not have a good night's sleep and I am frustrated and I do have a big day. But God is with me and the calling that God has on my life is to show Jesus to the world more than anything that I do. And so I want want us to look at this idea, the benefits of, of generosity is that year after year, more and more studies are highlighting the benefits of this for physical and mental health. And not only does it reduce stress, but it supports your physical health. It enhances your sense of purpose, and it naturally fights depression. It's also shown to increase one's lifespan. So if a longer, less stressful, more meaningful life is not enough to inspire you or rev you up to practice generosity, I want you to consider that generosity also promotes social connection and improves relationships. And we talked some about this. And according to um, Jason March and Jill Sudi, yes, they are, they are, author, they are uh, founders of Greater Good Science Center, says when we give to others, we don't only make them feel closer to us, we feel closer to them. This is because being generous and kind encourages us to perceive others in a more positive light, and it fosters a sense of community and a feeling of interconnectedness. It helps us be more forgiving of people's foibles, of people's issues, of people's struggles when we are generous, when we are generous in spirit. And the connectedness piece always helps health. People that are connected live better, live longer, live happier. And so when we treat people with generosity, which many times is just simple courtesy. So generosity helps us feel better about ourselves. It's a natural confidence builder, and it's a natural repellent of self-hatred. So by focusing on what we are giving rather than what we are receiving, we create a more outward orientation toward the world, and it shifts the focus away from ourselves. And it also helps to quiet that inner critic inside of us. 
and makes us more able to fight the enemy of our soul. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm glad that you're joining me today, and I want to make sure that if you're just joining in to visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, lots of good things there. You can also listen to the show in its entirety as a podcast. And visit me on Facebook, that's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., Instagram, Twitter, all kinds of places that you can receive more information about what I'm doing and lots of motivation and inspiration. So we were talking about the benefits of generosity and how powerful generosity is when we give it and what it does for us, that it reduces stress, it supports our physical health, gives us a sense of purpose, it fights depression, it increases our lifespan. And this, this is still more from, from the Greater Good Science Center, which is, have done some very powerful studies about generosity and, and that generosity of spirit and how we experience the world when we are generous. And we are much more forgiving when we are generous. We are much more resilient when we are generous. And we're not just talking about money. So being generous also makes us feel better about ourselves. It helps to stop self-sabotage. It, it helps to increase confidence. And so one of the things I work with uh, my clients on is generosity and courtesy. And courtesy is an extension of generosity. And what it does for our self-worth. So instead of always working on the negative parts, like what I shouldn't be doing, why I'm doing what I don't want to be doing, you know, why am I so critical of myself? Why do I hate myself so much? All these things. One of the things that helps to change that quickly is just being generous. The more generous you are to other people, the better you feel about yourself. So there's lots of things that we can do to practice generosity. And one thing is we simply give something to, to someone that they actually need or that they want. We have a tendency to be so withholding. So if I, if I recognize that somebody needs something, why don't I just give it to them if I have it? So if they're telling me that, that um, they, they did this great thing and, and they are really excited about whatever accomplishment they made, and I can tell that they want me to say, hey, well done, why would I withhold that from them? Why don't I just give it to them? If I know that someone needs to be hugged, if I know that someone needs to be forgiven, if I know that someone is feeling bad about what they've done and I need to just forgive them and move on and get over myself, why would I withhold that? One of the ways of being generous is just simply giving people what they need. And we recognize very, very often what people need and just don't do it. Somehow we want to make them pay. We want to teach them. We think that if we withhold it from them, they'll change. And we think that if we accept them for who they are, we're somehow accepting their behavior. See, God accepts me 100% every moment of every day, as sinful as I am, because he knows he's working on it. And so I can accept people 100% for where they're at. It doesn't mean I agree with everything they're doing, and it doesn't even necessarily mean I always like them. But I can give them full acceptance because they belong to God, and God is working on them, and they are not my problem. And so one of the ways that I make sure that I don't take on those problems is I practice generosity. And so I give something to someone that I give to be sensitive. And so you offer the most effective thing you can offer is sensitivity. That I think about what the other person might want or need. 
It's not just about material things. It's about giving yourself. And sometimes just being present and available is loving. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to do, is to be accepting. The other thing that is very powerful in being generous is actually accepting appreciation. So it's important to be open to people who express appreciation towards you, that you thank them for that gift. Because generosity is a two-way street. It allows someone to express their gratitude, and it's an important aspect of generosity, and it makes them feel closer to you. So researchers in the Department of Psychology at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, they discovered, and this is a quote, the emotion of gratitude uniquely functions to build a high-quality relationship between a grateful person and the target of his or her gratitude. That is, the person that performed the kind action. So it's important that we don't just brush off a thank you with comments like, oh, it was nothing. You see, I practice a lot of gratitude with my husband, and he does as well. We have a very gratitude-filled relationship, which covers a multitude of sin. So that we're, we're not on our game. See, we have this, this whole kind of arena, an atmosphere of courtesy and gratitude. And I was telling you, you in the first, very first segment here of the show that many times with couples that are very distraught, very upset, very defended, very hurt, very wounded by one another, I usually have them just practice courtesy for one week. I don't even talk about the issues. I say, I don't want to talk about the issues. I don't want you talking about the issues. I want you to just be gracious. Say thank you. Say please. Help each other. Open the door. Make the bed. Overlook when someone didn't do something you wanted them to do. Just treat them as you would treat a guest in your home. And you'd be amazed at the resiliency that comes in only one week that gives them the ability to actually talk about some of the issues. And the next one is you want to make sure that you show appreciation that you thank people for things they do. I don't care how little, I don't care how big. Because it causes us to be better people. So you show appreciation for the generosity that's directed towards you, even if you feel shy or uncomfortable. Resist the temptation to say things like, oh, this is too much, or you shouldn't have. Instead, just say thank you. That really helped, or thank you, I really appreciate it. That's amazing. I'm glad you did that for me. Or thank you for saying that. Because that inspires people to do more. This is one of the qualities of the Holy Spirit that makes the world a better place. And so we need to put our faith in God and love people. We put our faith in God and we love people, not the other way around. We don't put our faith in people as a way to love God or a way to deserve, or for God to deserve our love. We put our faith in God, so that we can love people and love them well. Because nothing is impossible. The problem is, God does things His ways, not our ways. And if we look to God to do it our way, what we want, what makes sense to us, then it does become impossible. Because God's not going to do something our way. God makes all things possible. He has a generous, generous heart, generous spirit. So when we love generously, okay, it doesn't necessarily mean that we like. See, liking somebody is a preference. I can love someone I don't like. I can be generous to someone I don't necessarily like or have an affinity for. 
So you have to understand that love is, love is a choice, but love is also a mandate. God commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is a commandment. He doesn't command us to like everybody. And so it means we love because he first loved us. We love generously because he loves us generously. See, generous, generosity is the opposite of withholding. Withholding is not a quality of God. It is a quality of our sin nature. It's based in selfishness. It's based in hurt. It's based in fear. And it's based in control. When we want to withhold, we are trying to control whatever it is the other person is doing or not doing. So if someone is not loving me the way I want to be loved, I withhold my love from them, hoping that that teaches them to do something differently. It never works. We see that because that's not God's way. God way, God loves us before we ever loved him. And so we have a tendency as unregenerated people to withhold love and approval and acceptance as a way to control people's behaviors. And it doesn't work. In fact, it produces and encourages more bad behavior. See, withholding love is a punishment. And if it worked, God would be doing it. But it doesn't. So I want you to think about th- this uh, verse in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 through 4. It says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising, generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia. And we talked about this. It said fierce troubles came down on those people. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. And the pressure that was coming down on that church triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. So I don't want you to minimize what you have. You don't have to give a million dollars. I mean, if you have it and God you know, compels you to give it, then give it, please. But you have a smile. You have a thank you. You have the ability to forgive. You have the, bil- the ability to overcome and to not withhold. You have the ability to just be authentic, to just let down and be natural and not take things so seriously. You have the ability to be polite and to be courteous. And so this is what we see in John chapter 4, verses 5 through 20. It says, a woman, in a Samaritan, came to draw water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, says, how can, come, how can you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And Jesus says, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would be giving you fresh and living water. This is what God is telling us today. You know God. You know Jesus. Instead of feeling upset that God's asking you to do all kinds of things that you don't know how to do, Jesus says, if you knew the God, the generous God, and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. So we ask God for the gift of generosity. We say, God, we want to be Jesus. Give us generosity. Help us be generous in spirit. We see the same thing when the boy with the five loaves, five fishes, his lunch, there's 5,000 people, and the little boy heard the need, and he gave his lunch to Jesus. He didn't think about whether it was too little or too nothing. or he wasn't, he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't all caught up in himself and tangled up in knots about not measuring up and being good enough. 
He simply heard, oh, there's a need. Let me give that to God. I'll give this to Jesus. And what did Jesus do with five loaves and five fishes? He fed up to five to 15,000 people. So never let the enemy tell you that what you have to give is too small. You don't know what that smile does to that stranger. You don't know where they came from. You don't know what their day was. So it's imperative that we don't measure and judge what we have to give. We just give what we have. Everything between you and God has been made right. You are okay. He did this so you can make things right with each other. So let Christ's redemption right your relationships. Take that newness, that forgiveness, that acceptance into your relationships. God did this vertically. So take that vertical and give it horizontally to those around you. Be generous. Be loving. Be kind. Be forgiving. Be forbearing. Be accepting. Be honest. Be who you are. Jesus has called you to show him to the world. That is your calling. More than any other talent or quality that you have. No matter what money you have, status you have, if you have nothing. You have Jesus. You have Christ. And that is who he wants you to be generous with. You need to bring Jesus to every single person that you meet. And it doesn't mean quoting Bible verses unless that door opens. It means you being generous, which is the spirit and the heart of God. So I want to encourage you today to accept the generosity of God's love. Don't qualify it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Accept the generous gift of God's acceptance of you right where you're at and give it away. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. Be generous this week with yourself, with others. Have a great week. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc., the Science Sea for Incorporated, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places. I encourage you to visit those, and I look forward to talking to you next week. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.